Welcome to the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast, part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network, where we put the power of dynamic fitness back in your hands one mental rep at a time. Effective thinking for potent fitness. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, Ms. Jen Ushold. 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 Ushold thing. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, welcome to podcast number three Thank on the you. Think Fit, Be Fit podcast. So we've been doing this since 2018, and this is your third uh, time in the guest seat. Thank you. Exciting every time. Good. Yeah. And we get a lot of compliments on this stuff. So we're going to keep doing it. So excellent. Yeah. Speaking of uh, this, I got an email uh, in August from this pain science institute that I follow. And it says that September is pain awareness month. Is that true? Or did he make that up and put it on his email? I don't actually know. That's a very good question. Um, October is Physical Therapy Awareness Month. I know that for sure. Okay. Well, I am going to, in in the Impact Your Fitness Studio newsletter, I am going to say that it is pain September, September is Pain Awareness Month. <laughs> and that I'm is gonna, fine. I'm going to share the previous episode that we did with Adrian Lowe. And it's a great idea. It's a great idea. And I think it's a great way to say, please introduce yourself for the third time, say hello and a bit about your background in clinic and in your teaching. All right. Well, hello. It is fun to be back. So hopefully there's some people that have heard me and Jen before and then some new people out there. I have been a physical therapist for over 30 years. And in 2014, I started to get into health and wellness coaching. And I'm very excited. In 2017 was the first national board certification in health and wellness coaching. Lucky enough to not only be part of that cohort, but also to pass. And around the same time, I started to really develop a passion and a love for pain science. Self-taught for a few years. And then I became involved with Adrian Lowe and his group, Evidence in Motion. And I got a therapeutic pain specialist certification. And then I went on because that wasn't quite enough. Mm -hmm. And I now have, um, I participated in a pain science fellowship. So Mm -hmm. I teach with them. I love pain science. And out of that came a a new program with evidence in motion called lifestyle medicine. And I think that they just seamlessly blend. It depends on where you are in your health journey. Are you in a place of pain, illness? decondition, just wanting to ramp things up, you are going to find yourself somewhere on the continuum of the pain science pathway and or the lifestyle medicine pathway. Mm. And it's a matter of understanding it and then determining where you want to go because it's all driven by you. Mm. Self-led. Love it. A lot of people uh, for the podcast audience have heard me share my enthusiasm for pain science as well. I guess I'm just excited now to see you evolve this experience and coaching uh, at, you know, as a model for helping people in, you know, sticky life transitions. So I, I thought about this podcast, uh, Gregory and I both did about self-care and the whole season is about self-care. 
and what other professionals in my network are doing to enable more self-care. And also, I'd like this whole season to have the different silos of biological health, psychological health, and social health. So, you know, no surprise that you're here because <laughs> we are using <laughs> the B yeah, BPS model for the whole season. Um, and I just kind of want to say to the guests, like we're going to get into it's, you know, these subjects, what we're going to cover today aren't cheery and cute. I probably won't laugh as much as some of my other episodes. Well, we might, but it, you know, the content is about difficult like it's about difficult life transitions and you know i really wanted to talk about social health so anyways that's my preface for coming in here but can you tell us a little bit more about you know why i invited you here what rise your rise program is and we'll go from there yeah thank you so uh, I am going through, unfortunately, a unpleasant, contentious divorce, and I have been told that there are certain personalities that are very difficult to mediate with and even deal with in court. Um, and so I'm not going to be using diagnoses because most people are not diagnosed, and this is actually not about the person, the challenging person you're dealing with. So I took it upon myself um, after having unsuccessfully completed two mediations, um, actually two different mediators, that our third try, I was going to do something differently. And I did. I put heart and soul into preparing myself vastly, all areas, physical preparation, spiritual preparation. I actually met with a body language expert so I could portray myself in a different way. And I was actually out to lunch with some divorced people a week or two or maybe just a few days beforehand. And they started talking very negatively. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I am in a good place. You are not going to sit here and tell me I cannot negotiate with this type of personality. And I just politely got up and left. Hmm. And I think the most fascinating realization I had recently was if anybody's listened to Dr. Ali Navidi's episode with hmm. Jen, it's also excellent. I went to hypnosis with him recently because I wanted to experience it. And my goal with him was to feel grounded and to be able to pull myself out when I get a stressful email or a you know contentious text or whatever mm. it is. So as we started the process, he said, think about a time where you felt so confident and so grounded. And the weirdest thing is that the image that I had was during mediation. Mm. Mediation was one of the most important days of my life for me and my children. And for me to sit here and tell you is one of the days in my life that I can recall feeling confident and grounded, I have to believe is a product of my preparation. And so therefore I am hoping to share my tools and let people choose what's going to work for them so that they too can be successful in these very difficult situations. Yes. Oh, well, con congrats for having that pedestal to put yourself on and to like feel your own power. Like that's amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. I never put myself on a pedestal, but it was very nice feeling my yeah. own power. I'll take that for sure. Thank you. Well, we've been hitting on a lot of psychological topics this season. Dr. Ali was the first, uh, one of the first, right? And 
the last one we just published this week on Monday, the 12th, I had a life coach on that uh, specializes in microdosing and personal transformations. And we went over this term, uh, just championing, championing, championing yourself and championing, celebrating others. <laughs> and yeah, I just, you know, it's it's been sticking with me and it's something yeah. that, you know, um, uh, yeah, I, I feel could also help in this like bigger picture of, you know, fitness, right? Is when we take ourselves and move through the exercise or the class and we don't take a moment to, you know, just give ourselves a pat on the back, right? Like, right. and you and I have talked at length about, you know, pain science, lifestyle medicine, and self-reliance. So, you know, just those little things like that, saying good job to yourself, being excited about the small steps that you're taking is just such a huge part of this journey that, you know, we are part of every day with our clients and patients. So, yeah, like I said, not light stuff, but <laughs> I think it's so important to just, you know. Can, can I toss something out there based sure. on what you said about yeah. those self-compliments? One of the pieces of the program, I'm calling it a mantra mirror. It doesn't have to be a mirror, but every day, every two or three days, just some positive thought would come to me. And so I would write it down and I would put it on my mirror. And so my mirror is just the entire perimeter is maybe 15 or 20 of these. And it's a great mm -hmm. thing to do when you wake up and you're brushing your teeth or just about to go to bed. And what's important, because I've had other people do this and they're like, yeah, I put you are strong. And there's, it's called neurolinguistics, but using first person, I am strong is mm -hmm. going to be received by your entire nervous system much differently than you are strong. Mm -hmm. So across my mirror, I am strong. I am supported. I have community, whatever they were. And I believe they were a big piece, just like pain science, just like lifestyle medicine. There's not one way in or out of any situation. There's many ways and you have to figure out what's going to work for you. The mantra mirror was pretty powerful for me. Yeah, I've heard of different versions of that. And it's kind of hard to get started because you just have the, like, there can be this block around, you know, you just your self-confidence, right? And like that you're, in, you're stuck in this like muddy situation every day. So, you know, the, these kind of the neuro-linguistic programming, the hypnosis, like putting yourself into a place of uh, a frequency of success can be just enormous for, you know, getting out of it and, and thriving, right? We're not just, we're bringing this up because we're talking about life transitions and health and lifestyle medicine. And it's, you know, it's important, I think, as in, in like this therapeutic sense that we talk about thriving with our clients and our patients and our audience and all this stuff and not just getting by, right? Like just getting through the mediation, just getting through the meeting. Like, oh, so, you know, that's really like what I, I you know, I kind of want to hone in on and, and talk about really is like this transition and how it can be different. One of the things uh, that came up for me was uh, when thinking about doing this podcast was like, you know, you're, we all process this type of 
angst and and grief and guilt and trauma differently. So when did it click for you to like create, you know, a program like this to help people, you know, process and then thrive and be healthy? Yeah, I actually have an answer to that because after my mediation, I'm in a my the law firm provides a free support group run by a psychologist. And so it's a very supportive group. And the day after my mediation, you know, she, the, the woman who runs it, she's like, Hey, Jen, give us an overview of mediation. And I did. And then she contacted me afterwards and she said, Hey, I've gotten some really good feedback from other people in the group. Would you be willing to present something longer next time when we have the meeting? And I was like, yes, absolutely. And Mm -hmm. she asked if she could connect a couple of people with me. So I just, I felt really good that my work was recognized by a group who knows exactly what I'm going through. And at the same time, it just started to spin. And I'm like, if I was able to do this, Mm -hmm. this means other people are able to do this. Mm. We can't do anything without knowledge and support and repetition. And so maybe I can help people with the knowledge part and the support part. And then the repetition does have to come from within. Um, well, yeah, that's that. I mean, that's a great way to, I don't know when you like, when you find that light bulb or when that light bulb comes to you and it goes off and you're like, Oh my gosh. Wow. So empowering. So yeah. Good and mind blowing. I'm currently, um, reading a, the book called positive intelligence and I don't remember the author's name. And he talks about truly every situation is an opportunity for growth and success. Hmm. He says it slightly differently. And the first time he said that my jaw drops and I'm like, and now I keep hearing it and hearing it. And this program is exactly that. Had I Hmm. had a super smooth and easy marriage and I wasn't getting divorced, I would have never created this program. Hmm. So my goal with the lifestyle medicine program and teaching is to spread the ripple. Can we get more people knowledgeable integrating, implementing this stuff. And so I think that's kind of my goal with this program as well. Can we get more people to find their place of power and groundedness? Because I'm learning we all have it. Mm, Awesome. Yes. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I I thought it was a funny question um, and it reflects so much of what's, I think, wrong with the fitness industry. But what pops up when we Google self-care and divorce? That's really interesting because I was curious about that. And you know, I'm very (laughs) curious about a lot of things. And so I went through every single one, just on the first page. I didn't get into, you know, page 479. Um, But 50% of those were all about cheap online divorces. And I thought... Very interesting because that's not anything about self care. And then um, 25% of them were addressing self care during and after. And mm-hmm. then 17% were more totally financially targeted. So, what are you going to do with your finances after you get divorced? So, I thought there was a bit of a disconnect there. Wow. Because if I were to write the sentence of self care and divorce, it's like, what tools do you have? What tools can you gain to get yourself to where you want to be? Mm. That's not yeah. what pops up. No tools <laughs> pops up. No tools. Oh man. 
Oh, that is, yeah, that's way worse than I thought it was going to be. I was thinking it was going to be, you know, have a glass of wine kind of thing. Like, you know, the, the normal instructions on how to unstress ourselves, but then also having alcohol is not a way to un like take stress out of your body, you know, like, right. uh, It is, it's an unhealthy in the, in the moment coping mechanism which really has no value at all, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And I could imagine like some of the like divorce groups and stuff like that. Like, you know, if it weren't in a psychologist office, it m- might be at a bar, right? Like, uh, Yeah, there are some people. So we've done some social things. There are yeah. some people who drink a fair amount. Now, I don't know. They're drinking maybe the exactly the same as it was before their divorce. But it, it is it is very important to have outlets no matter what they are, so that you don't end up self-sabotaging. And, you know, that the original idea for having social health as part of this podcast season was, you know, Gregory, Meredith, and I, you know, we're friends, me and my, my podcast buddies. And it's just hard to make friends without alcohol. I think that's what it came down to. And we were like, so... What are other healthy people doing? Uh, and one of the ways that I've found community was through my the Wim Hof uh, ice bath and breathing and things like that. That's it, period. Now, the dog park, maybe. <laughs> but it's really interesting. This conversation has come up with my 19-year-old who could drink legally when he was in Europe last year. My appliance guy who is my age, give or take, and he has never been a drinker. And then there's several other people. I've never drank. I had a full drink on my 21st birthday, a slow gin fizz for anyone that cares. (laughs) And that is it. I have not ever had a full drink since then. I'll have sips and things like that. And I have never felt judged or shamed for not drinking. Mm. And I don't know What's different? Because every other person tells me it is very difficult to be in a setting where people are drinking and them not drink. So I don't know. What did you guys come up with other than the dog park and Wim Hof ice baths? Well, that's just, those are my personal examples. So we said we wanted to talk to someone about life transitions because naturally, um, if you're in this wavelength of my podcast, you're thinking about the transitions that are to towards health and thriving. And that's the opposite of, you know, what my generation knows as social engagement, which is out till four in the morning, God knows what, doing dangerous stuff. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I, like millennial, like for me, it, it is, yeah, it becomes very awkward when you say you're not having a drink unless I'm with like-minded health folks and then it gets even more weird when i say oh i took a microdose of mushrooms and (laughs) and then and then um and then i got all kinds of attention i don't want so i'm like yeah so it's yeah i'm figuring it out that's i think the the real answer but yeah so you know about life transitions when we're walking working with people that have chronic pain you know, we're trying to help them reframe so many environmental things and so many, you know, the surroundings. Would you be able to speak on the impact of our social environment, our social health in regards to rise or, you know, 
someone like me who just wants to be healthy and stay healthy? <laughs> sure. It's there's a meta analysis. I think it's from 2010, but that probably doesn't matter so much. It was fascinating and they were looking at longevity of different types of group. And you actually have a higher risk of mortality. The period of time was five years. If you lack social connectedness, than mm. if you drank or were obese. So the take home mm. message there mm. is social connections are even more important, not instead of, but even more important than weight and mm. the other thing, um, <laughs> which just left my head for a moment. Um, and so that that's very powerful to me. And one of our pain science statistics that I really like is that we know that arthritis is normal in everyone. It's, you know, it's just kind of normal process of aging that starts in all of us around the age of 20, but not all of us have to have pain. Mm. Pain peaks for back pain is somewhere in 40s and 50s, and the arthritis continues to progress. So mm. we have this linear line of arthritis, but then we have this peak of back pain and then it comes down, we can't blame that back pain in our 40s and 50s on arthritis. And so what I usually ask my clients is, hey, what else is going on in your life in this age, you know, in this age bracket? There's a lot. I like to kind of refer to it as the sandwich generation. So we are in the midst of raising families, sometimes changing careers, sometimes starting relationships, ending relationships. And we also have aging parents and mm. depending on family support. So these are things coming at you from all angles. And this supports that idea of the biopsychosocial that about 30% of people who have persistent pain, they have not ever had an injury or a surgery. And mm. so emotional overload, as sobering as it is to hear, can cause persistent physical pain. And pain wow. isn't purely physical. All pain has both a physical and an emotional component. And so I think these transition periods are super important to be able to zoom out enough to focus on your own self-care within everything else that's going on. It's so essential to get you through emotionally and physically and mentally and spiritually. What if I told you the biggest thing standing in the way of peak performance is potentially something as simple as changing how you breathe? We at Think Fit Be Fit rely on science for new ways to optimize performance. That's why we've partnered with NeuroPeak Pro and their new product, the Intel Belt. NeuroPeak has developed the next generation of wearable tech. This belt is a real-time training device designed to teach users how to breathe properly in order to strengthen their resilience to stress, recover quickly, and effectively execute the task in front of them. If you're ready to begin unleashing the true power of breath, download the free NeuroPeak Pro app to experience their precision breath training or dive deeper into the science of breath training by visiting thinkfitbefitpodcast.com slash NPP. Your best training is a breath away. Sobering is a great way to describe how I feel about like what you just said. I mean, and some of that stuff I've heard, but then when we put it into like the social connectivity and social health context, it's, it's, um, 
you know, I feel so human. <laughs> like you're very you, human. <laughs> yeah, it's like wow. Like we need uh, other humans. You know, we need that connection and that. It also makes some sense as to why I'm so I'm so attached to this dog. Like it is absolutely cracked me open emotionally. <laughs> Okay, and, I can't yeah. quote the research, but I did read somewhere once that um, if you compare dogs to men, dogs and men, <laughs> women choose dogs and have a better connection. So I don't really know what that means, but uh, I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, <laughs> there well, are amazing, there are amazing men and have great relationships out there. So you, I know you guys are out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's you know, for me, it's like I've learned a lot about myself emotionally through this uh this transition which is you know having a puppy and um and there were times where it was very stressful very expensive and yeah and i learned i i've had we've had some hard times with having a puppy but i had some tools and i you know i've talked about this stuff on the podcast a few times and it's just been I don't know. It's just been a learning process, but it's like I've I've opened up like emotionally. I think that's like the bottom line, really. And it's been what were beautiful. your favorite what were your favorite tools, Jen? Uh well, uh you guys probably heard the ad for it. It's called the uh, Intel belt by Neuropeak Pro. It's a it's but at the core of it, it's a breathing uh train training device. So okay. deep breathing <laughs> was my favorite tool and my sleep hygiene, my getting to sleep, you know, um, I slept lighter at first cause he was, he was pretty sick and I was very traumatized, uh, taking him to the hospital and learning that he could die. And, you know, it was very traumatic for me, um, other people too, I'm sure. But, and it was, um, so I slept lighter. But I still kept, because I was on alert, like I had this like motherly instinct kind of sleeping light, but making time for like a lot of downtime to relax and have a sleep hygiene like, you know, plan, I would say was very good, I think. And and also being able to ease up on myself with the gym and my sauna mm -hmm. routine. Like I, t I will say I miss the sauna more than the gym physically. I could feel it. Interesting. Yeah. Which I was not, yeah, I was not expecting that. So I, and so I gave up on some rigidity, um, with my, my own health, like fitness program, but, um, I eased into more breathing and light, very light exercise. So I changed a lot, a lot of my, I'm, I'm pretty rigid when it comes to how much exercise I'd like to get. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. I eased up on my own boundaries for that. So what I love about what you said, Jen, you said your main tools were sleep hygiene and self-compassion mm -hmm. and the breathing. Mm -hmm. And within all of that, you still realize there's only 24 hours in the day. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important thing because we get exposed to everything, you know, eat X servings of blueberries a day, eat X servings of whole mm. grains. If we did everything exactly as all of these different experts say, we'd be eating, I don't know, 18,000 calories a day. And we also would not have enough time to get it done in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So I love that you found the tools that work for you mm -hmm. and 
found a place to kind of ease off so that it all fit in. Because the risk there is if you added those things, you could have actually put yourself in a worse off position, biopsychosocial, name it. So that's a fantastic thing that you were able to do. Thank you. Yes. And I actually, I, I and I witnessed people doing that. They tried to add all the stuff in and, you know, you, it's like, it's like watching a car accident, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. And the, yeah, I, th- I, I think it was, oh, something came up for me when you were saying that and I totally left my mind, but I think it's a good time to ask this really important question, which is like, how do you, can we get a little bit more into the RISE program and how it helps people with health without weighing them down with all this, like these rules and again, like too much programming over, over, over correcting and over programming. There are going to be a few key elements of the program and nothing is mandatory. A phrase I like from the body language expert, his name is Chris, is take what you like and leave the rest. (laughs) I do believe there are a few key elements, however, that would be important for most everyone to do. And those revolve around setting your intention. If you don't know what you're going for, Mm. you're not going to reach it. If you don't know you want to run a marathon, you don't know how to set goals around that. So spending time allowing yourself to just sit, think, and be, and create what is your intention. And I often see, and it was even myself, like um, part of my intention was for myself, but a lot of my intention was around the health and safety of my kids, which I value that 100%. I think often we externalize our values and our intentions. And so I think during these transition, we really have to kind of go inward a little bit more. Mm. What are the values that are important to us? What is the intention that's going to get us where we want to be? And then the health and safety of my kids is going to follow. The financial stability, I'm setting that intention right now, is going to follow. And so setting the intention is very important. And then within that is Depending on your mediation type, there's different types. You may be preparing a narrative. And so the narrative is this open ability to share your story, to get your point across that if you end up in court, you may not be able to do so. And so really diving into the narrative and there are ways to do it that are very organized and formulated. Um, I'll be doing part of the program is something called a mind map. And so how do you Mm. create that narrative using a mind map? There's something called a presentation tree where the roots represent um, the roots represent your intention, and then the tree trunk represents your body language. The branches represent your thoughts, and the leaves represent your words. And so it's really an inward and an outward. What is it that you want to present? Who do you want to be that day or on those days? Okay, let's get that framework, and then. How do we get there? Mm. How do we get there? There's a whole lot more flexibility. And I think I have at least 20 different options, whether they are hypnosis or meeting with a body language expert, and then definitely the six lifestyle medicine pillars, which are sleep, nutrition, exercise, avoiding those risky substances we talked about, social connectedness, and stress. And so there's going to be videos and different handouts and worksheets on all of those. And instead of having 
a staircase as an image or having a path as an image. Really, the image I'm going for is you're on a very rocky beach and you want to get from point A to point B. There are oodles of choices. There are so many rocks you could choose to step on. You could go forward, you could go sideways, you could go backwards. And so that's how I feel about all of the other components of the program. You can choose to do hypnosis or you can say, no, thank you. You Mm. can choose to have a mantra mirror or you can say, that's not gonna work for me. You could choose to learn more about power poses by Amy Cuddy or you could say, maybe not. So there's no recipe for this, which is why I think it can be empowering in of itself that people can get a framework and then they can build their own program. Yeah. Well, that's so different. That is so different. Yeah. Well, I love, well, I love anything, not anything. I love unconventional things (laughs) and it is unconventional to ask for help and not receive like a list of things to do and um yeah be treated like you know a child essentially but interesting uh, way to put it <laughs> yeah uh, yeah <laughs> i mean it, yeah because it's like oh bowie hey buddy hi bowie uh, he's here okay buddy hold on it's interesting and you really wanted the the ring light sorry guys um, enjoy my intermission here. Okay. Um, <laughs> enjoy this intermission of dog panting. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting to like think about is uh, an era where we are empowered and we know that we can make our own best decision, but we just need that, you know, like the tree, like the tree map and the mind map, right? Like you just need to like, how do I put these pieces into place? So like our last uh, podcast episode with Adrian, it was like, you know, can we imagine what this next era of taking care of ourselves and self-care is like? And so I, this is why, this is why we're, you know, so compatible. <laughs> I love uh, it. I love it. Well, and some people, honestly, there are days for people mm-hmm. going through these difficult transitions, whether it's divorce or empty nest or career change, whatever it is, where to think a year ahead or five years ahead is completely mm-hmm. overwhelming. And sometimes you're like, how am I going to get to the next hour? Mm-hmm. How am I going to be sure that I eat today? And that is okay. Those days are going to be present and it is okay to sit in it. You also have to find your way out of it. So Jen, you said we might not laugh too much. However, <laughs> laughter and humor is, is one of the tools we can use. And I can remember on a, a particularly dark day, I wasn't so dark that I was just laying down all day, um, but it was a pretty dark day. All I could think of was I'm going to force myself to go for a walk And I'm going to listen to this comedian, Bob Marley. I mean, he's hysterical. He's coming to DC in November, if anybody cares. Um, (laughs) And I listened to him and I was literally laughing out loud on this wooded path. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I felt so much better just listening to Bob Marley. 
that might not be a tool for everybody, but boy, it sure was the absolute best tool for me in that moment at that on that day. Mm. So good. The Thanks dark days sharing. are going to be there. Yeah. But the, and I tell my son, there are cloudy days. The sun always, always, always comes back out. Mm. Sometimes we have to wait it out. Yeah. 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 Good. Good mothering there. Good job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, So many things came up right there. And a surprise question. um, You're doing improv now. I am. (laughs) Has that been part of your, uh, like, has it uplifted you in interesting ways? Yes. I have so much less anxiety about presentations and talking to people and things like that. And I have to attribute it partially to the improv and partially to the body language work and just in general, everything I did to prepare for mediation. I do think it's having just lifelong effects. And I went to the first improv course and the guy, Chris Ulrich, he's introducing himself and he says, yeah, I'm also a body language and my arm shot up. And he's like, yes, (laughs) can you help me with my upcoming mediation? And he said, sure. So that's how that ball. That's amazing. But, it really we are all improvising every day anyway which was interesting (laughs) that he said to us on the first day you know this conversation jen we didn't plan it out we had a very very rough (laughs) idea of what we're going to talk about we're improvising all along and so improv is super fun i think it has helped me be more successful in other types of personal and professional relationships and yeah, it, it's super fun. I'm on level three. It's very fun. Good. So glad to hear that. I've just got like really one more question. And, you right. know, it's it's more in the fun category. And it really kind of piggies back off of this. You know, can self-care be fun? And does it, you know, I, I, I'm just trying to fight this whole idea that it has, that being healthy has to be a punishment. And so for me, it is fun. And I embrace the weirdness, the uncomfortableness, but I just know that I, that is a very unique quality about me and that I am so curious and I love different, you know, types of body work and different types of you name it. Um, I like it or I'd like to try it. I'd like to dip my toe in and like try it twice. So really part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is to like spread that enthusiasm for like physical health and physical embodiment of health. And so anyways, what's your answer? Can self-care be fun? The long answer, please. The long (laughs) answer. So I'm going to come, I'm going to very quickly come right back to your biopsychosocial framework. And if we look at people who do not like exercise, There's usually a reason why. Mm. Were they shamed by their parents? Was it used as a punishment when they didn't put their backpack away? Um, Were they the last kid picked in kickball? So there's usually an explanation. And so for people who it is such a struggle to care for themselves, there's something deeper that's going on. And whether it is self-care that you choose to drink too much alcohol, or lacking self-care in not exercising, I think all of it really comes down to 
what has created, what are the circumstances that have created this disdain for you in whatever this topic is? And within that, that may be enough of a stepping stone to help motivate them. Coaching is another piece of it. Some people might just say, you know what? I hate exercise. Exercise is boring. And I I had a client when I was a pretty new coach and didn't really know what I was doing. And she's like, I hate exercise. I hate running. I hate walking. I'm not doing any of it. And I was like, okay. And so then, however the conversation evolved, she's just like, oh, well, yeah, I could walk in my neighborhood. And I was like, okay, great. And she decided to walk whatever it was, 10 or 15 minutes. She contacted me two or three years later. She's like, I love exercise and she <laughs> runs now and everything. And so sometimes it's just really finding what you love. I am not a vegan. There are many good <laughs> benefits to a plant-based diet or veganism. And honestly, if I had a personal chef, I would absolutely be very content as a vegan. Mm. But I don't have the energy or the time right now to create it on my own. So I'm not doing that. And what's holding somebody else back in any of these realms? We Mm. have to do a little deep dive, whether it's on your own. Can you get there? Do you need a little help along the way? And it's okay either way. Mm. So the answer is yes. Mm. I would be curious in most cases to know what's going on that's holding you back. What have your experiences been? What's your exposure been? And how do we reframe that? Mm. That was such a deep and powerful insight. And like a lot of the things that you've provided, you know, to some of my clients and myself, like this, these perspectives that that you bring up in your coaching and your and the pain science and our conversations about clients. It's always just it it, it you deliver it as like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like it's so good. Thank you. Maybe that should be my new logo. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. uh, Yeah. So I think it's a great time to just, you know, one, let's talk, let's plug the gratitude while we're at it. And uh, I think that'll be, that'll be it. I I just, I think this was a great conversation. It's always a fun conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, so gratitude is crazy based in science. It's been studied. It has the um, ability to improve personal, mental, and physical health, workplace relationships. Adolescents and children do better when they express gratitude. So that's actually one of the components of the program. And then I've also created this silly little thing. Uh, it's just a visual. I don't know, Jen, if you can poke a picture up at some no, point. No, when you... Yeah. Oh, I'll no. put it. Yeah, we'll have it oh, in a picture yeah, in the I show notes. Um, so what it is, is it's just a clear tube, but it's a visual way. I'm calling it the gratitude. And so it's a visual way to watch your gratitude grow. And so we have one in the clinic and people come in and they write it on paper and they toss it in the tube. It's completely anonymous. And then sometimes depending on where I've done it, I will like just write different things that people were grateful for. Quite <laughs> honestly, in my vision, I think this would be super cool at a wedding shower or mm. a wedding. What are you grateful all of your guests about the wedding party? Um, to me, this is a little more personal and endearing, even at a wake or a funeral, instead of just signing your name in a book, you know what, I'm really grateful because X, Y person did this for me. So I think there's a lot of ways we can express gratitude. And this is just a fun, easy way to do it in a visual manner. Yeah. And I found a fun and easy way to explain it. 
which was, it's a swear jar, but for gratitude. (laughs) And I love that. And I'm going to steal it. Yeah. Especially when you think about the, the, the metaphor of like filling it up, you know, it's like, oh, look how bad Jen is. Look at all those swear words in that jar. And, or, you, you know, you have the gratitude where it's like, this is a good life. Good time to be alive. Look at that job. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and I like it for schools. I had a school counselor just buy one the other day. Oh, perfect. So I'm not sure if she's going to have it in her office or for the kids. But either way, right, we can all get excited about seeing how much we appreciate ourselves and each other and our world. Mm, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I had, some scenarios just went through my head about teenagers and, you know, how... <laughs> You know, everything you do is like not cool. (laughs) Yes, yes. One of my teenagers threatened to take me out of his contact list yesterday and I'm back in already. So you you walked the wrong way, I'm sure. I did. The way you were walking and breathing. Well, actually, I said that I didn't want a cat in the house because I'm allergic. And so that was just unacceptable. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. Yeah. It's all right. We got through it. And I honestly think, I honestly think that he and I are stronger now after getting through that little annoying blip yesterday. And so it's okay. We learned from it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think this is a great episode. Your website is one eight, what's just tell people. 180therapyandwellness.com. The and is spelled out. And iriseforme.com is under production. Great. Is that going to be uh, an in-person or? uh, It's going to be all, it's going to be all online. What I'm debating is, am I going to have live coaching as part of it or maybe as a a side package? Brave new world. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 All right. So all online, I rise above. What is it? I rise for Uh me. I rise for me. Awesome. That's so great. Okay. Thank you. Well, thanks again for being here and Thank being you. It's always part fun. of my world and um, to many more successful stories and lots of laughter. Stories are good. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. And um, don't forget, I mentioned the Noro Peak Pro because it really did help me. <laughs> and it's part of our affiliation program. So go check that out at thinkfitbefit.com slash NPP. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. If you're interested in further resources, check out or visit our website, thinkfitbefitpodcast.com.